With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Robbie Samuels hosts the On the Schmooze podcast. Robbie, tell listeners what to expect from the show. Since 2015, I've interviewed entrepreneurs who overcame challenges to achieve success in their field or industry. Tune in to On the Schmooze to listen as I ask deep questions to elicit untold stories about leadership and networking. And where can people subscribe? Find the show at ontheschmooze.com or on marketingpodcast.net or just search for it wherever you get your podcasts. You heard them. Go subscribe. Welcome to Collective Cafe To Go. This is the podcast version of the Collective Cafe. Now, the Collective Cafe happens every single weekday, Monday through Friday, from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in Alpha Collective's Discord server, discord.gg forward slash Alpha Collective. It is free. It always will be free. There are no strings. There is no bait and switch. If you like to listen live and even participate, come onto stage, comment in our back chat, you can do that. Whether you're on the treadmill, getting the kids ready for school, getting yourself ready for work, commuting into the big bad city, or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom into your home office. On Monday, we manifest. On Tuesday, we talk thought leadership. On Wednesday, we have guests take the stage, almost like an open mic. On Thursday, we do live book reads and discussions. And then on Friday, it's No Agenda Friday, where there is no agenda. Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, with virtual coffee, with the Collective Cafe, where we mastermind, we manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption. So give us a subscribe if you're listening on the podcast or come and attend one day. Remember, it is a safe, welcoming space and you will never, ever be put on the spot. This is the Collective Cafe to go. Well, hello, everybody. <clears throat> Frog in my throat, uh, PJ.eth. Welcome, welcome. As people shuffle in, uh, Bez Praxim, welcome, welcome. I actually used the intro to set up the POAP and the secret word uh, for today and almost forgot. Uh, yesterday, we, we tried something new. We tried the ability, which failed miserably, not because of me, but because of you, because of human error. Just kidding. Um, but I set it for like a 12 to 2 p.m. window, and most people forgot. And, uh, you know, that's what we do as humans. We forget. It's part of our DNA. It's part of our human nature. Um, so we might go back to that. But today what I've done is I have... Uh, set the time, the window for the secret word to be 9 to 9.15. So as soon as we end this, that secret word, 
should be up and running. And uh, I'll tell you what the secret word is right now. Surprise, surprise. Uh, it's very easy to crack my code. That sounds a bit obscene. <clears throat> the secret word is super bosses. So super bosses will allow you uh, to get today's POAP between 9 and 9.15. And uh, we'll keep it going. Why not? Uh, Bez, welcome uh, to the stage. This is your show today. Hey, hey good morning, good morning. How, how are all of you doing? And um, good, good to, to be back. Uh, good to be uh, to see you here. Hey, let's get the show on the road, right? Yeah, I've now set up the, the podcast version of this um, on all the major platforms. Uh, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon, uh, Apple. And um, <clears throat> so, you know, as this as the show, the show version, the podcast version of this begins to, um, you know, gain a little bit of momentum, I think we'll start to see more and more people coming inside. And it's interesting. It's got these two wonderful components now, which is the <laughs> live version for people that actually enjoy live. I, I love live. You know, when I'm like sometimes up at four in the morning or or even just working, I I could be listening to a podcast, but it doesn't feel as alive as something that is live. So I'll go and listen to sometimes ridiculous Twitter spaces or banal clubhouse rooms just because of that that I don't know, there's there's something electric about something that isn't necessarily pre recorded. But, you know, at the same time, hello Christopher. At the same time, you know, I I have roles for podcasts too. When I go for a run, when I go for a walk, when I'm commuting, uh, when I'm at the airport. Um, it's, it's funny how contextual I am with life. Um, like my Kindle, I will not read my Kindle unless I'm on the beach or at the pool. That's just my thing. It's the Kindle. I don't know why. I could be at the cliffhanger of a book and it could be like in the middle of winter and I'll be like, yep, see you in summer. I don't know. It's weird. I'm weird. <laughs> well, I um, um, I know we did chapter two, but I'm going to do a, a overview of chapter two. Then we're going to dive into chapter three and four. So um, I wanted to just do the summary. Um, and so uh, here's my cliff notes. Um, uh, in, in chapter two of Super Bosses, um, how exceptional leaders master the flow, ta- uh, uh, flow of talent. Uh, Sydney Finkelstein, is that correct? Did I say it correct? Okay. Anyways, that that is uh, co- that is correct. I just swung my microphone uh, and and sat back to listen to your dulcet tones, Wes. Uh, but yes, okay. Fink- Finkelstein. Um, mm. And I, and I will just tell you very quickly that I had this like just um, you know this running joke with myself during the whole. Um, you know, I don't know, a special counsel and, and, and the whole impeachment thing. Every time Rod Rosenstein came up, uh, well, basically what would happen is people would just either call him Rosenstein or Rosenstein. Some people Ooh. would actually call him Rosenstein and Rosenstein in the same interview. They would switch between Stein and Steen. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know, and, and the joke was from the movie Young Frankenstein, uh, it's Stein, you know, that was the, the joke with Gene Wilder, who was playing the character. So every time said Frank Frankenstein, he'd say it's, well, maybe they said Stein and he said it's Steen, whatever. But so for me, 
literally every time someone says Rosenstein, I go, it's Steen. And every time they say Rosenstein, I go, it's Stein. Um, so, you know, just a little bit of esoteric uh, nothingness. Oh, and also, hello, Sharon. And then I promise you, you see, do, don't prompt me again, Bez, because this is what happens. The verbal okay. diarrhea. I did, I hit my 100-hour goal, my 100-hour fast, and and I weighed in and I hit the goal of 184.7. So 30 pounds in six months. Um, and, and actually, to healthy wages credit, they actually came back to me understanding my circumstance and said they'd give me a four or five day extension because of the travel and because of, you know, my mom's passing, but I didn't need it. And I felt so good. I mean, obviously, you know, a hundred hour fast is slightly extreme in order to be able to meet a goal, but I hit the goal. So that's my update. Uh, I broke it on celery juice. Uh, Then I had some butternut soup and then I just had some roasted vegetables. So kind of easing back into food. Um, But um, yeah, so um, that's my update. I survived. All right, back oh, to man. you, Biz. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> um, good to see you made your goal. So, um, if, if uh, Sidney Finkelstein, he, um, he explores the method of uh, how super bosses, how they go about in acquiring and retaining top talent. And so, uh, just to, I'm just going to give a quick overview of Chapter 2 because we did go over it, but just as a refresher. So here's here's some key points he covers uh, in there. Um, um, point one, making a personal connection with potential hires is crucial. Uh, point two, super bosses have unique qualities that set them apart in attracting and retaining talent. Uh, point three, identifying individuals who share the same values and goals is important. Point four, creating a supportive and non-threatening work environment is key. Uh, Point five, recognizing and supporting the strengths of employees leads to a more productive and engaged team. Point six, high employee turnover can be beneficial. That's sometimes, um, you know, we we go, huh? Okay. Uh, Point seven, a super boss's reputation has a big impact on their ability to attract and retain talent. Uh, point seven, adopting the methods of super bosses can improve one's own hiring processes. So it says, you know, basically in summary, um, super bosses provides insight into how successful leaders and track and retain, um, you know, basically, you know, top talent through personal connection, creating a supportive work environment and recognizing employee strengths. It's, um, and then, um, and it's interesting because I'm a huge Gallup Strength Finders fan. So, you know that they focus on the strengths is um, is, is is interesting. Um, so there were some subsections in that book, you know, um, you know that are are pretty prominent, like making lunch for an, a legend, which basically highlights the importance of personal connection. How supervisors they go that extra mile to make a lasting impression on potential hires. Um, there, uh, also, that, that special something basically emphasizes the unique qualities that set super bosses apart and allow them to attract and retain the best talent. 
another subsection that we covered is getting people who get it. So that basically delves into the super boss's ability to identify individuals basically who are not only skilled, but also share the same values and goals. Um, the power of feeling unthreatened. That's uh, an important subsection, and it highlights the importance of creating supportive and non-threatening work environments that encourages the employees to flourish and grow. Um, another section called Room for Others to Shine. Uh, it basically showcases the super boss's ability to recognize and support the strengths of their employees, leading to a more productive and engaged team. Um, then a churn, we talked about turnover. So the, the section called churn better than we think, it just basically challenges the traditional belief that high employee turnover is negative and explores the benefits of regularly adding fresh talent to the mix. Um, in corporate America, this is basically called healthy churn. There is such a thing. <laughs> and this is spot on. Um, <clears throat> magic reputation basically highlights the impact the super boss's reputation has on their ability to attract and retain top talent and hiring like a super boss. Uh, some of the things we went over in the book basically provides practical dip, tips, you know, on adapting the methods of the super bosses in one's own hiring process. Hey, Bez. Yes, sir. Let, let me ask you a question. By the way, I did reach out to Sid, and he did respond, and he said, I'll try, I'll see if I can pop in, but no promises. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. I just sent him an email now. Um, let me ask you a few questions, because sure. I've had the pleasure of talking to him. You've had the pleasure of talking to him. Mm -hmm. um, and so not that I'm going to, you know, uh, hijack your attempts to keep reading the book. But but uh, let me ask you a few questions. Uh, sure. Tell us tell us about the experience of being on the show and, oh. inter and, and interviewing him and just your impressions of him. Uh, was he was he what you thought he'd be? Um, did you learn anything new? Um, you know, what was it like interacting with him? I, you know, I really enjoyed it. I had, uh, you know, definitely I had uh, some questions I wanted to ask him. Uh, I knew I probably would only cover three questions max. And um, so I, I sort of put those at the top. He was everything that I envisioned and more. Um, what provided, what was really interesting is um, he provided context behind what he did and, you know, even how many people he interviewed, how he did it. Because, see, sometimes uh, research is very quantitative, you know, you know, how many and how many said this, how many said his was very, you know, anecdotal, uh, qualitative style where, you know, he had to interview and, and find trends in, in, in the, um, in, in the talks that he's had with people or those conversations. And, um, no, he, he was very, uh, I, you know, it, it helps when you prepare with your questions. Right. Uh, but he was able to dive deep into that. And, and what I liked also is that, um, sometimes his response to a question led to 
another question I wasn't thinking of asking, but it was appropriate to go down that rabbit hole because it just gave us more, at least for me, it gave me more insight. Yeah. So I, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it was like, dude, you know, <laughs> I'm a big fan. So. That's good. To, yeah. that, that's good to hear. And, and, you know, you've read the book, you've been following through it. I, I took my usual approach, which is, you know, I, I haven't read the book. Um, mm-hmm. And I just went on him filling out. Um, I had a bit of an advantage, obviously, which are these sessions. Um, but mm-hmm. but I, I, I loved the conversation. Um, I found him to be just such a warm, gracious uh, man, insightful, smart. I mean, he's a professor and and I felt like I was talking to a professor, but I felt like uh, not not that it was a lecture, that it was more just, you know, he was just, um, I mean, I actually, th- I think this book is more relevant now than, than, bef- than when it was published. You know, you need, I, you need to be a super boss now. To me, like super bosses are almost the price of entry. If you want to, um, remember what he said, he said, it's not just to attract and retain, but it's to keep on attracting and keep on retaining. It's a process. And then there's the whole conversation about the necessary endings, which is, you know, I mean, I still love the story of, of Lorne Michaels Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, I mean, I don't know the exact stats. I do know how he has backed and bankrolled and produced and directed and, you know, so many hits that have come out of it. it's basically a hit machine. It's almost like you could say SNL's SNL's secondary role is is a live show on a Saturday night. The primary mm-hmm. role now has become the ability to produce stars and hits and and shows and franchises that that live on for decades. And and I would just love to know how many of these relationships were from people who were fired. That to me, you know what, talk of, uh, I don't want to say talk of the devil, uh, but we are joined by Mr. Sid Finkelstein. And uh, Sid, I've got Bez to basically, um, uh, you know, first of all, I'm not sure if your ears were ringing, but I was just talking about you. Um, Good morning, Sid. Welcome to our little virtual uh, coffee. Good morning, uh, everyone. I'm not sure how this works, but can people see me? Well, we, this is audio only. So, if your hair is in rollers at the moment, you are you are guarded. If you have, because I was <clears throat> going to show off my um, three coffee I'm having this morning. If you if you uh, <laughs> if you have a face mask on and cucumbers on your eyes, you are well protected. Yes, you are. <laughs> Good morning, Sid. I was just Good basically morning. Singing, singing your praises, just saying what a kind you know, gracious man you are, and not just, you know, not just the prof- professorial, academic, smart, wise, experienced side, uh, but just, you know, how you've really, you know, studied and, 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 and put the flesh on the bones. And I, and I was just saying that I actually think this book, Superbosses, is more relevant now than maybe even when it was published. Um, it is vital right now. It's almost the price of entry if you want to survive and thrive uh, in this new normal, you you kind of if you aren't a super boss, you need to become one. You need to train to be one. You need to aspire to be one. Um, and even if you never get there, 
Um, that's the goal. The, because otherwise, how do you stand a snowball's chance in hell of, of attracting and retaining talent? Well, I appreciate all, all of that. I do believe it has become even more important in part because of, um, well, the, the world of talent is shifting pretty quickly, but uh, this um, um, the need for talent, the difficulty of finding, you know, even the great uh, resignation, I guess, as we called it. Uh, now it's a bit more complicated with lots of big tech firms and others starting to lay off, uh, lay off a lot of people. But um, the type of uh, flux that we're in, is not uh, is not going to go away, I think, uh, and that is um, that does two things. One for the for each of us, each individual, we need to think about how to manage our careers and think about how to position ourselves to what we want. But also for organizations, companies that are hiring, looking to hire, looking to grow, how do you, you tap into this talent pool? You know, you couldn't have said it anymore. I mean, it is really exacerbating even since the pandemic, right? Like we've always known tech over hires, over pays. And when, when there's a hiccup, they lay off, you know, you know, the people really get affected, you know, with massive layoffs, but there's other industries that are hiring, you know, that hiring is still strong. And, you know, what's fascinating is that, you know, there's a statistic that says for all the jobs that are open, there's 75 to 95% that aren't even posted. Right. And so if you have 100 jobs, it's, there's probably 175 to 195 jobs uh, to that 100 that are really there. We just won't see it. And working as a third party, working internally, I will tell you that's true. I know a client of mine that has 2000 openings in one specific. I'll just say it right now in nursing. Right. Yet when I when I just go to their website, they'll claim they only have two hundred and forty four jobs. So, you know, so they really have two thousand just in one discipline because the need is so great. But you only see two hundred and forty four posted on their website. <laughs> it's it's crazy, yeah. And um, and Sid, I wanted to. Um, I just did just before you walked in, uh, we had, I just gave up. It's been a while since we, you know, cause of Joseph going away uh, to deal with his, um, you know, his mom passing away, but I just gave a quick overview of chapter two, but I was going to give um a, a quick overview, uh, you know, go into a summary of, of, of chapter three and dive into it. Do you mind if I ask you questions, like go over it and then like dive into maybe a specific area? Well, I'm happy to uh, definitely answer any questions. I just have to give kind of a heads up that uh, this really is going to have to be a pop in because of all the things that I'm uh, that I'm doing. So, okay. I don't know if you want to. I don't know how you want to handle that, but you know, well, I figure I could stick around maybe for another ten minutes. I, I would, okay, um, I would say I would say questions. You know, questions are the best. Yes, and. You know, I have um, said I've uh, we've had about two thousand seven hundred view, uh, views of our of our episode. Um, plus, there's a podcast Great. version of it. Plus, there's a podcast version of this. Uh, plus, there's even a little poep, uh, which is a little kind of digital ticket stub to prove that that you were here uh, or that people were here uh, today. So, just just going to continue extending and spreading the love and and the support because I really really buy into this and believe in this um, very, very strongly. And the show notes are also on YouTube. I'll send you all that today. 
I, I actually only have one extra question and then we'll see if anyone from the audience wants to come up or, or Bez will give you the rest of the floor. But um, are, are super bosses born or created? Can, you know, I, can they be trained? Is it possible to turn a boss into a super boss? Is there a formula? Um, I don't know if we, if we discuss that, but I would love for you to give us your opinion about the nature versus nurture. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's probably over the years one of the most common uh, questions that uh, I get and many others do um, as well. And it's also a question that come, has come up long before I ever wrote Superbosses. Um, it's, uh, it's it, you know, it's, people, want, people want to know about our, uh, the, the role of our, our genes and everything else. And I guess with all the DNA work that people are doing, um, it's, it continues to reveal kind of incredibly powerful uh, genetic influences to all sorts of things. But I'm uh, kind of happy to say that it doesn't matter what that genetic lottery gave you. Um, there is no one who cannot become more super boss-like in their leadership approach. And, and I know that because I've been in the business of helping people do that for um, five or six or seven years by now and with respect specifically to super bosses. And I also know that because uh, in, in many ways, it's common sense. You know, some people will say um, about creativity that, um, you know, I'm not creative. Well, okay, uh, I can't draw. I'm not very good at it, uh, but I am creative in other venues and other people have their own their own things. But the point is, is you have to be born a certain way. Well, yeah, it sure helps to become a Picasso, but uh, you don't have to become the world's greatest leader uh, in, in history. Uh, to be a, a super boss and an effective leader. And anyone can do it. And when I give my uh, workshops or speeches on super bosses, I always emphasize this point because it's, uh, it, always, it always comes up. Anyone can become a super boss leader. And what I do in my, uh, the truth is even in the book, but when I present it uh, in a workshop format, um, I, uh, I kind of reveal in a little bit, you know, some detail, what it is they, they, they've done, uh, these super boss leaders that have made them so effective. And it turns out that for every one of those things that they do, that playbook, if you will, um, there's no uh, pixie dust on that. Um, we, all, we all could do it. Um, and, um, uh, and, and we could do it really by just picking and choosing those aspects of the super boss playbook that seem most, uh, I, I'm going to call it easy entry because you got to start somewhere. Um, it shouldn't be daunting. And, and we, can, uh, we can pick up on the, on the ideas that make the most sense for each of our individual uh, circumstances. You know, even, even for me, I don't run a company, uh, but I have a, a big research team uh, that has helped me do all kinds of work over the years. And obviously, I have a lot of students. And with the, uh, for the research team, I'm, um, I'm giving them some guidance on what I want to study and what I want to know, what I want to understand. But I always ask them uh, to... Uh, to suggest better ways or other ways or even crazy ways. Because when we give people permission to be, come up with crazy ideas, you start to melt away all the barriers and the fear of, you know, kind of saying something stupid because uh, uh, I want to hear their ideas. So I, I kind of empower them and ask them to help me. Uh, and I probably know a lot of what has to happen, but I'm not going to pretend that I know uh, everything, uh, especially with younger people that, are much savvier than I am in all kinds of different uh, tech fields and chat GPT and who knows what else. So uh, long answer, 
to a fundamental question, uh, yes, uh, anyone can become a super boss. Leaders are absolutely uh, made um, regardless of how you're born. Amazing. Uh, Bez, uh, how about a question from you and then Christopher's uh, joined on stage and then we'll go to Christopher unless you want to defer to him. Let, let me, um, yeah, Chris, go ahead and then I'll, I'll end with my question to you because I'll go for it, Chris. Chris, the cur- hello. The curse of the uh, the curse. Okay, of I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. go ahead. You I'll go ahead and just, ask my, yeah, yeah, Chris, you may just want to jump out and come back in. Okay, so um, my my question is um, so in chapter three. So I'm just gonna go. Uh, you had these sections. Perfect is good enough. The ladder of confidence. Sign me up. It's hard to go back. Being ordinary, inspiring people like a soup like a super boss. So the one that caught my attention, it's hard to go back being ordinary. And as I uh, go back um, through the people I've worked with over my career, um, that one sort of stands out to me. It's like uh, that once you work for a super boss, that it's, it's really hard for you as the individual to, to go back to working for like uh, some type of traditional hierarchical environment could you talk to us about um that one thing and uh can you share the story that sort of highlighted that in your research it's uh it's a it's a little challenging uh for people uh because not everyone is a super boss uh, leader even though as i've said they're more than more than meets the eye but uh this is kind of my um um, my attempt at uh, social uh, movement um and specifically, uh, I think we should raise the bar on what we expect from all of our leaders. <laughs> Lord knows we, we're a long way to go in the political arena um, around the world. Uh, we're not, I don't want to get into, into that. But uh, in the business organizational, let's call it organizational because nonprofits uh, are just as important as for-profit uh, organizations. In the organizational world, um, the quality of management and leadership uh, is so variable, and everyone, of course, knows that. We've all had our experiences uh, of different bosses have done things certain ways. And um, um, and so if we have someone that, uh, if we've had this experience with someone special, uh, someone has helped us get better, uh, we need to, uh, we, we, we need, we, we need to not, not just say, oh, well, I was, you know, I was lucky, that was great, and now I'm back in the real world and accept it. We need to expect uh, and raise our expectations. Part of it is we need to be searching out where we can continue to have opportunities like this uh, that are that are empowering and exciting and energizing. And um, um, and part of it is um, doing everything we can to help our own boss kind of see see the light. Um, sometimes that's not possible, uh, but oftentimes uh, oftentimes it is. Uh, and so I don't know that I have a specific story uh, that, that that you know jumps to mind on on that, but. Um, I like, um, you know, I'm not, um, uh, in many ways I compromise on all sorts of things because you got to live in the world and not everything's perfect, but in other ways, I don't want to compromise on anything that's really important. Um, and of course that, um, um, 
idealistic because it, d- it doesn't quite work out that way. But uh, but I like to at least start with that with that notion, and we shouldn't compromise in the expectation that work can be fulfilling, exciting, energizing, important. And if we're going to spend um, what percent of our waking hours um, in at work, which is I don't know what the latest number is, we could do the math. It's certainly more than fifty percent. Uh, I'm going to say for most people. Um, how could that just be something to get through and, and, and scratch by and then we could live our real life at home or, uh, well, whether we're working from home or not, we could live our real life, you know, off the job. That's, uh, I mean, that's just a travesty of how to live a life. I, I hate that idea. And I think we should fight against that. And um, we need to, you know, the, we uh, imagine if, imagine if people would, uh, would raise their expectations. The, these low engagement scores that are in the low 30s now, according to Gallup, um, are not, um, they can't stand the test of time. And then think about it from an organizational, a leadership, a corporate, a business, financial point of view. We know that more engaged, more energized people lead, do, do more. They accomplish more. Uh, they lead to more successful uh, uh, job completion and jobs and groups and and teams. And so, it's uh, it's it's not logical uh, to uh, to just kind of be straight uh, uh, straight narrow, uh, unenergizing, uninspiring, um, and only hierarchical. And uh, and then the last thing I'll say is that we've got millennials to some extent, but Gen Z in particular, that are not not taking it anymore. You know, like that old movie. I, I can't. Uh, Got the exact line, but uh, um, like I can't, I can't take it anymore. I won't do it. I won't take it anymore. And so you got no choice if you're um, if you're a leader, if you're a manager, um, you're playing a losing game to follow um, a business strategy or a leadership strategy rather that comes that that comes out of the 1950s. Um, that's 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 what I want people to think about. Ch- Ch- L chainsaw yeah. Dunlap. Um, uh- so Sharon is up here. Billy's up here. Um, Sid's got just a few minutes left. Um, if if you have any questions or comments, we'd love to love to turn it over to you. Actually, I had a perfect follow up to what Sid just said because I was thinking that um, a lot of what's going on now with the Great Resignation and people just deciding that they are going to work for themselves has been born out of. Um, as employees, you want to work for somebody who is, uh, or for a company that is mission-driven, purpose-driven, and we're not finding that as much as we used to. Um, and so the new generation, I think, is looking for that more than they, you know, than perhaps the previous generations. And so I was wondering if there is a sector or a particular business uh, group that you think attracts more super bosses than others. That's a, that's, first of all, I did, I don't think I've seen, I've seen that type of pattern with respect to say sector or industry where I have seen it maybe a little bit more is, um, in more entrepreneurially oriented, uh, companies. Um, um, because there's, there's a lot, a lot of the super boss playbook is really an entrepreneurial playbook, a creative playbook. And, and, you know, in the large traditional established companies, that's a tougher, um, that's just tougher to do because they, they become bureaucratic over, over time. And um, so in that respect, um, you do, you probably do see a bit more 
uh, in Silicon Valley um, because of that entrepreneurial uh, nature. But as Google and Facebook um, and Amazon get to be the biggest corporations in the world, uh, I'm not so sure we see it today the way that we uh, the way that we used to. Uh, they're all they're, these companies are all grown up, and uh, and they've got their own set of problems that they've got to deal with. Um, um, you know this this um, go fast and break things idea uh, that uh, Zuckerberg talked about. Uh, that gets you in jail now. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> uh, so is there a sector? It may, may the sectors that are more entrepreneurially oriented would be my answer. Silicon Valley traditionally has been a sector where you do see more super bosses uh, because of the kind of the more freewheeling nature of of it. Uh, but uh, again, um, you see them everywhere. I've seen them everywhere. Um, before the uh, pandemic, I used to do a lot of book. Uh, uh, book signings and people would ask me to sign the book to their boss after hearing me speak and they said now i know my boss is a super boss and it would be you know somebody i never heard of in a company i probably didn't even know about either so it happens time and time again but it should be a very i think that's a very positive story um, they're around us imagine we have an asset this important a super boss leader that knows how to multiply talent uh, leverage talent imagine we have someone like that and we don't even know it but what other asset in the company do we uh, do we allow to to remain so kind of hidden um, that we can't leverage and take advantage of. So it's uh, there's a big upside here. I'm not sure if I told you the story, but uh, my very first book, I was going to dedicate it to my first, bo- uh, my first boss. And I was going to say uh, to my first boss, XYZ, everything that you taught me, I've done the exact opposite. And that's how I know I'm going to be successful in the world. And my publisher said, no, you can't do that. And I was like, why? <laughs> uh, I mean, there's positive and negative. I, I also wanted to say to you, and then we'll go to Billy, that uh, that question, what I know now that I didn't know then, I'm actually going to build it into my show now. And I'm gonna, uh, it will be the final question that I'll ask all my guests moving forward. And then I'll stitch together all of their responses. I just think it's just, it's just pure wisdom. And um, so I just... This is how you've influenced me, Sid. Um, and well, I, I hope just, you'll share that with me because I'm very curious to see. Um, that's kind of a multiplier effect as, as of well. Course. Yeah. Of, of um, course. We can, uh, we, who knows, we might collaborate on another book. I, I actually had someone on my show and uh, recently, and he spoke about this idea of first-timers. And I said, my friend, this is your next book. It was Rand Fishkin. And I said, you need to write this book. This book will be number one, will be a number one bestseller. The theory, if you can prove it, is that when you look back on all the success stories, there are people that were doing it for the first time. You know, so no precedent, no background, no experience. Mm. I, I don't know if, you know, as Bill Maher would say, I don't know this for a fact. I just know it's true. But can you imagine it can yeah. be proven? And then to understand the traits that, you know, because it's the, the gut tells you it's innocence, it's ignorance, it's, you know, it's, it's not being corrupted by, by baggage. Um, so, you know, when, when you're ready to write that or uh, we can collaborate together. But anyway, Billy, uh, uh, welcome to the stage. Great to be here. Good morning. Hey, Sid. Uh, big fan of yeah. what you're doing. I, um, I'm an author as well. I wrote a book called Culture Reconstructed and spent a lot of my time um, in corporate America. Uh, big companies helping them tell their story, uh, connect and engage their team members with their with their bigger message, and do a lot with Chick Fil A, do a lot with Disney and Delta and Coca Cola, and just name some of the organizations I've had the the pleasure to work with and see good stuff and not so good stuff. 
I was curious, you mentioned uh, engagement being super important. What are the, from your opinion, what are the best event experiences slash team building experiences uh, that super bosses put on for their teams? Like style, type, uh, frequency. I'm just curious your thoughts on that. Um, I guess I have two things to say. Num- number one, um, the, the, the primary way that super bosses convey their lessons, their teaching, and, and develop talent um, really is on one, one-on-one relationships, one-on-one interactions, even when there's not a lot. I mean, people are busy. How much time do you really, how much face time does anyone really have with their boss? Sometimes more, sometimes less. But, you know, your boss has 10 reports, sometimes many more. You're only going to have so much time. Um, um, and but that's the that's the the, the prime, that's where the real learning uh, happens, and that's why I always say you you as a boss every time you have a chance to interact one on one with anyone on your team you got to use that time really really well get rid of the PowerPoint slides get rid of any formalities and get right right into it. Having said that, one of the really cool things we found that super boss leaders did with respect to say in a, an event or an activity is that they would take their entire team. Uh, somewhere else uh, and work, uh, do something. So, for example, um, Renee uh, uh, Redzipi, who is the uh, chef uh, of Noma, one of the world's greatest restaurants, just in the news recently, as some of you may know, for deciding or announcing that they're going to actually close down, just become a research lab. Um, and Renee has revolutionized food which is quite a, quite a statement. He would take his entire restaurant, his entire team, and it's a big team, uh, to different parts of the world to learn the cuisine and to cook and create a pop-up there as a, as a reward for people because um, it's such an intense job, uh, as an opportunity to learn, um, as, a, um, as a fun thing to do, as a growth thing to do. Uh, in a corporate setting, how do we come up with that? That's, you know, that's, pretty, that's pretty out there. Um, but maybe, maybe there are some ways where it's not so much just a, an offsite, which every, you know, that happens a lot. You know, you go, you go, you go to Four Seasons or a Ritz and you, uh, you play some golf and you have some fun and, um, and you have a, a, a lecture or two or a couple of meetings. Um, that's, uh, that's standard. But if you go somewhere where you're actually working or contributing, um, it could be where you take your team uh, to volunteer uh, on a, a social issue or problem. In something that's of that's that's relevant and meaningful for for people, and where there can be some learning. And if you're going to do that, you want to also debrief and get get some, uh, make sure people have a chance to reflect and share and and talk about uh, what they, what they've done. So uh, I'd say that uh, thinking creatively about um, um, even short um, opportunities to take people into a different um, venue or arena um, where there's a work element, an activity element not just the usual thing we do uh, when we have events, uh, which is perfectly fine to do. Of course, you want to reward people sometimes uh, to be in a nice resort. Uh, but I'm talking about something different that I've seen some of the super bosses do. Um, Prax- I love that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, unbelievable. It's like the whole idea of, and you also think, Billy, about the, um, you know, what companies do really poorly is this whole idea of forced rotation and, ripping up teams and moving people around. And, and essentially what, what companies don't really realize is, first of all, there's no momentum and continuity. 
Um, so even when things are working, they're kind of breaking things up and 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 disrupting the chemistry um, in a team. Uh, and then, of course, they have to deal with the headhunting and the laying off and the you know and people resigning. And uh, and so one of the reasons why I always wondered, you know, like why why I call it the stupid bowl when it comes to advertising. Why do we keep on? messing up this opportunity, this golden opportunity to just crush it in front of 110 million sets of eyeballs. Um, and like, why do we keep making the same mistakes? And the answer is it's because the same people are not in the job, you know, over the last one year, five years, 10 years, 20 years. It's new people coming in making the same dumb mistakes because there are no best practice, because there's no continuity, because there's no legacy, because there are no super bosses that are, you know, determined, quite frankly, to install the core values, the lessons, the learnings, and ensure success long after they're gone. So I just want to make that comment. But Sid, I know you have to go, and I keep saying that. Um, but uh, I actually do have to go now. <laughs> I stayed a touch longer, but I've enjoyed the questions and the interaction. Sure. Well, Praxim, I hope you forgive uh, me for for going on and and uh, and not being able to ask your question. Uh, but Sid, this was amazing. I will share the transcript with you. I will share the, uh, the, the show with you. I hope there's, um, you know, I hope you got out, got out of this as much as we did because it's just been a, a wonderful, wonderful meeting, uh, hopefully beginning of a friendship and, uh, and hopefully we'll see each other again very soon. I, I appreciate that. And um, I welcome connecting with anyone here via uh, LinkedIn um, or, or other ways. Uh, everyone be well, do great work, and uh, help somebody out today. Thank you. Thank Bye you, now. Sid. Bye now. Joseph, I, I definitely do forgive you. It is all right. Wasn't that amazing? Oh, that he'll and... be back. He'll be no, back. No, I'm kidding. Um, but I, I will share my question for the rest of you to ponder. Um, mm -hmm. My question is, what happens for those of us that are in the biz called individual contributors to transition to management. Can you go from being a great individual contributor, right? Uh, hypos as they call them. Bez is probably familiar with a lot of these terms to not failing miserably at uh, uh, leadership, especially in corporate America, right? I, you know what, if you're talking about, if you've been, um, mentored by a super boss absolutely in fact um super bosses have that propensity to to push you out like you know it's like where you you go on to bigger and better things like um you you, you think of bill walsh you know the architect of the west coast offense and then all the coaches that came from that coaching tree uh you think of ralph loren and all the major brands that came out of Ralph Lauren that are not Ralph Lauren, you know, Michael Kors, and the list goes on and on and on. And the people behind them, they were all tutored and spawned off from Ralph Lauren. And they went on to their own thing. And the super bosses celebrated that and encouraged that and went on to become partners or um, collaborators with their protégés. So their network extended. Like, they don't have that mindset where they um, 
you know, they're, they're, they're upset that you left. They actually, I mean, they expect you to leave because you're, you're, you're going to be great. So yeah, can you, I believe, I believe absolutely that you can. So those, anybody else have any comment around that? You're actually starting to sound like him, by the way, uh, the way you respond to the question. Um, my, uh, yeah, I, I have two just quick comments and then we'll turn it over to everyone else. And my first comment is what we heard from him today is absolutely, you know, it's nurture versus nature, right? You can be trained, you can be taught. Um, it, it is possible. Um, the second part of it, I think, is is almost, I'm just, I'm just reframing what you basically said was, which is, but adding to it is go find a super boss mentor. Get a mentor who is a super boss. That's how you do it. Um, or that's one way to do it, I should say. Um, that seems like the logical approach, right? And, and for me, you know, I, I really connected with the, with the, in fact, this is the, the, the video that I put out uh, yesterday, the little one-minute highlight, the big personality paradox. Uh, I am a big personality. Um, I have struggled to take criticism in my career. I do not believe that I'm a good manager. I think I'm a terrible manager. Um, but then again, I haven't managed in, you know, my last job was in 2002. Um, but I'm much more mindful and sensitive and aware now. And, you know, I've always wanted uh, my, my belief, my structure, you know, my belief structure is to let people do the jobs that they were intended to do. Right. If you hire a copywriter, let them let them write. If you hire a storyteller, let them tell a story. If you hire a builder, let them build. Um, and I love the concept of open briefs. I love the idea of empowering. I love the idea of I'd rather beg for forgiveness than ask for permission. But at the end of the day, what it really comes down to is the big personality paradox. Is even though you know you're a big personality, you know you're a big voice, you know you're smart, you know you're, you know, the cat's meow. Um, so why do you need to keep proving it to yourself? Because you're insecure. I should say because one is insecure. So, you know, when you can actually come to terms with that, that security and not have to like constantly feel the need to prove yourself, then, then you, you're happy to sit back and let others shine, which is exactly the story that he told in the show about the, the boss with a PowerPoint um, saying to the person that wrote his PowerPoints, why don't you present today? You know this stuff better than I do. And, and so, you know, I think, I think if we, it's a great question, perhaps, I mean, really, really, all these questions today I thought were just profoundly awesome, um, and I'm not just saying that. Um, but when you actually think about this transition, I, you know, I mean, also think about the reverse. Someone coming from the corporate world into the entrepreneurial or the mercenary world, I've actually found that those people struggle more than the other way around because they can't, they're still too structured and they're too controlling and they're too rigid. And, you know, they have to do, let's put it this way, they have to do the most unlearning Whereas the person going from single to, you know, to corporate or to team, maybe they have to do the most learning. Both need to grow. But the hard, I think it's much harder to unlearn than it is to learn. So that would be my response. 
And we got Tim up here. I think he wanted to say something. Oh, no, I, I was uh, just going to say, you know, we, we were talking about, you know, engagement and people leaving your team and people moving on. Um, I'm going to date myself because this is back before LinkedIn. But um, a, a boss that I had in the 90s had a process where when somebody left the company, at, when it was small, and the team as it, the company got larger, was when somebody left, he walked around with letterhead, put it on everybody's desk, and you had to handwrite the person that was leaving a recommendation. You couldn't type it. You couldn't use the. You couldn't use Microsoft Word. You had to write it in hand wow. to the person that was leaving, um, and you had to write them a recommendation for whatever reason they were leaving the company. Um, and the person who was leaving left with a stack of recommendations. Uh, as LinkedIn came in, it turned into okay, you can do this digitally, and you can write them a LinkedIn recommendation. They can choose whether or not they put it on their profile. But uh, what he wanted was for everybody to reflect on that person because when they're leaving, there's so much animosity. Oh, you know, uh, we're, we're mad at them. We feel betrayed. We feel like they're leaving us. Um, but the act of writing recommendation allowed you to reflect on all of the good parts of it. Um, and it was, you know, for the team as much as it was for that person. Oh, I love that. You know, it's it's so funny how um, the simplest solutions, like writing someone even just a handwritten note, it's so easy. <clears throat> and yet, you know, the one thing that actually came up in the show with Sid was I bas- I said to him, you know, like when last, while I was talking to people that were watching or listening, I said, when last did you send a super boss a note? just to say, hey, how are you? Thank you for everything. Just checking in. Because we know that the super boss is is that person. But what about the super employee? I didn't use that phrase. I'm using it now. <clears throat> I wish I'd used it because, mm-hmm. because I would have sounded so much smarter than I am. Um, I would have fooled him. But, but I mean, a relationship works two ways. And, you know, just on a personal note, I've always gone. I've always, I've, I've always philosophically had this um, this conversation that 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 the adult always must make the effort. You know, like if you think about being a step parent, I, I think you, the onus is on you to make the effort, not the child. And no matter how much they they fight and resist and even sabotage, you just got to keep coming back. It's always on the the adult. You know, even when I'm a grandparent one day, um, I need to make the effort. I can't mm-hmm. put it on the child or my grandchild to say, why don't you call and why don't you respond? And, you know, and it's hard. Listen, I do this even now with my kids. I'm, it's like work in progress. You know, I sent my daughter a text yesterday. I go, hi, um, you know, do you remember me? But it's not on her to make the effort. It's on me. I'm the parent. I'm the adult. I'm the older I'm so super boss to employee. But in this particular case, the reversal, I think, is an interesting one, you know, which is when's the last time you reached out to someone that's helped you along the way, that's inspired you, that's taught you, you know, every time, because a lot of the, you know, 
a lot of the times you hear the question asked, and I've seen it even on Twitter, like, who's a boss? You know, who's someone that's inspired you along the way? Who's someone, who's a role model? All these questions. Well, my follow-up is, when last did you reach out, you know, and thank them or tell them that or just check in with them? It works two ways. Praxum, you, you're on mic. Any, any thoughts? It, it is definitely uh, lots of uh, ideas for thought, right? Because it's um, leadership comes in many forms. Uh, there's sometimes a lot of structure about it. So you sometimes are taking leadership for, <clears throat> let me change that. You can provide leadership without a title. And sometimes the title allows you to have leadership because of the title. Uh, but to what Joseph was intonating, I believe, is that no matter what, if you're a leader, the title's uh, regardless or irrelevant. That's true. That's true. Um, that's the difference uh, between the boss and the leader, right? Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. also the difference between the one that gets blown up in the latrine and... Uh, Oh, oh, and I say that nicely in in the war and the one that you know is you know praised and eats last, right? Oh, absolutely. The, yeah, and that that's also um, I don't know if you've read uh, David Marquette's work uh, on the U.S. Navy, um, but you know I would qualify David Marquette as a super boss, right? Um, so he was the one that turned around the uh, U.S. nuclear subsidies. Great book. Great book. Right. And so that's like, how do you how do you go from a boss by title to a leader by action? Oh, I love that. And then the and then the results. How like hit the, the measurement of his success? Yes, there was a success of his ship. Did his ship run right? Did, did, he, did he meet his metrics? But beyond that, extending from that was how many of his crew went on to command their own ships? How many were able to grow and then, you know, not become the leader of the Santa Fe, that was his boat, but to take the helm at their own ship. Yeah, that's uh, those of you that don't know the story, I'm pasting it in the back chat. Uh, David Marquette uh, was, to summarize, keep, keep me honest, um, was put in charge of a, a submarine that had the worst record for pretty much everything. <laughs> and uh, yeah, <laughs> he literally turned the proverbial ship around and the actual ship around and the crew and everything re regarding it. So it is a a great. It's not that long of a read, uh, but no. And what what I what I love about it is it comes from incompetence. Yep. So um, you know he was he was supposed to take command of a ship. He was supposed to take command of another boat. And at the last minute, he was stuck on this boat, and he did not know how to command the boat. He did not know how the boat worked. So he was put in the position of leadership, the boss, um, but was ineffective. Um, and knowing that there were you know, lives on the line for his decisions, he had to find another way. It was a forcing function for him to rethink leadership. I think I've given my copy away, actually. I'm looking for it on my bookshelf of the key books I refer back to. Um, but the I have a very strong takeaway from this book that I paste in the back chat, which is it doesn't matter 
if you have Im- people that you're leading, you can't tell them they're Im- empowered. You have to convey that they're empowered to take control without the words, you're empowered to take control. And that it, to, to figure out what that is for each person in each role is a um, linchpin to the leadership uh, methodologies that he espouses, which you can turn any ship around if you can. Yeah, that, that's that the in, intention-based, right? Yep. Uh, empower your staff to, you know, not wait for an order, but rather convey the orders up to the captain. I intend to do this. Now, as the, as the leader, you can override me and tell me, no, you, you know, we're not going to do that. But otherwise, let me go. To, to, to Joseph's point, like, if you hire a copywriter, let them be the copywriter, right? Let them do that. And, and, yeah. and you, know, you, you know what? Um, that book, uh, David Marquette, he has the signature of a super boss. I mean, because one of the things that uh, even in this chapter, chapter three, it, uh, there's a section called sign me up. And basically, there's a, a few things that stand out is that um, uh, that the importance of employee engagement and how super bosses, how they create the environment that inspires their like their employees to take ownership of, of the mm-hmm. work. And then the exactly. other thing it. The, the other thing is they delegate the responsibilities and empower the employees to make the decision. And in, in, in return, these employees, they, they feel valued, they're they invested in their work, and they're, they're even more motivated to do you know, bigger and better things. So it, this, this, this book has a lot of tenets of, uh, of a super budget from what you guys are explaining to me. And you hear the music coming up. I can hear the music. So it is, it is 9 a.m. The window is now open for the POAP. The code is superbosses, and it is open for the next 15 minutes. The secret word is superbosses. What a great day. What a great conversation. Um, Praxim, let me tell you, this book that you're reciting, why don't we make that the next book, if, especially if you have the next, if you have the copy, or I'll go and find it and get a copy. We get another copy. It's Like I said, I gave it away. It's pretty telling when i let's, give a book away because it's well let's it will help let's somebody. make this book let's make this book our next book coming into february or march the other thing is to all of you here i like the style i like the ability that when we bring a book here i'll reach out and get them to come on the show and then we'll have them come into into discord i like this so i can be that role for you with my influence and with the show and with 430 guests and with the likes of the guests that I've had, um, I can go ahead and, 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 and petition them or ask them to join me on the show. And anyone who does volunteer to bring a book, I can't guarantee I'll get the author, um, but you'll also have the standing invitation to come on the show and do what Bez did. So it's like a little bit of a package deal here, um, which is w- books and authors that you admire I'll help you get them on the show. I'll help them get them into Discord. We'll dedicate a month to the discussion. Just one of the benefits of showing up and being here live. And um, just just what a great couple of days uh, this week has been. Bez, owe it all to you, man. And uh, and Tim and Praxim, Billy, who's who was here, Sharon, thank you so much for the questions, the comments, the engagement. Go get your POAP. And uh, I will see you all tomorrow for 
No Agenda Friday. So everybody come prepared by being unprepared with no agenda. Um, and uh, we'll have a good conversation. I will see you all tomorrow. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.